You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. Our great coach on this episode is Kelly Sheffield. Kelly is an American volleyball coach. He started coaching in his teens, helping out at summer camps. He then went on to assist at high school level before getting his chance as an assistant at the University of Houston in 1997. He was then given his first head coaching role at the University of Albany in 2001 and led them to three regular season championships. In 2012, he was appointed as head coach of the University of Wisconsin and has led them to five Big Ten championships, four NCAA Final Fours and the 2021 NCAA Championship. Some of the highlights of our discussion were his view on the importance of his team's environment, where they try to teach life lessons at a critical time in people's lives. The way he talks about balancing optimism and positivity against just cheerleading, and the story he shares about rubber wristbands to illustrate this. And the importance of removing the worry the players may have about the coach's mood. And just before we go to the interview, today's podcast is brought to you by the Macquarie University Business School's MBA program. Designed to empower, challenge and transform 
the Macquarie MBA gives you the business skills and knowledge you need to succeed in an evolving global economy. The program bridges the gap between theory and real-world application, bringing together world-leading professors, executives, and industry partners to teach you how business can be used for good. I have just started working with the team at Macquarie on some projects and can attest to the quality of the people and material. To find out more, search for Macquarie University Business Schools MBA. And now, please enjoy our interview with Kelly Sheffield. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Kelly Sheffield, good morning my time, good afternoon your time, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Uh, great morning. It's great to be here. Well, Kelly, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror. We both have a very similar hairstyle, I see. But uh, like you said, you've shared shave today. It's uh, great to see you on the other side of the world. And I'm really looking forward to hearing a little bit more about your program and um, how you've been developing it uh, yourself as well as a coach over the years. But could I start at the start, which is the interaction you've had with some great coaches. I can can see that you've had time you spent time with Barry Alvarez, Denise Van der Waal, and of course Steve Shondell, who I know had a big influence on you too. And I'm just wondering, Kelly, from this perspective of meeting these people and working up close with them, what do you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Uh yeah, it's I I'll take a step back here. I've I've never I've never played a game in my life. And so when uh, when I first started, uh, when I was first introduced to the game of volleyball, I, I there was there was probably nobody that knew less than me, and I'm sure there would be some fans that would say that's still the case. But it's a, so so much of it has been picking a lot of people's brains and uh, just a, a lot of discussion, a lot of watching film, a lot of, you know, in the early days, uh, you know, back with you throw a cassette tape into the car and and listening to, to to some different things, maybe on how to, you know, how to recruit or something. And I'd read an article or, or watch a VHS uh, uh tape of coaching and and just calling up those coaches and ask them great questions. And it's a, um, you know, I think the, the, the coaches that I, that I look up to the ones that I think that are really, really good, not just in volleyball, but across the board, I think that there was a curiosity uh, that, um, you know, that certainly I have uh, I've had to have. And uh, I, I think a willingness from a lot of people to be able to help me along, along the way, uh, I think different levels of coaching. You're, you're, there, some hats are very similar that everybody uh, has, and then there's different hats that, uh, depending on the level. Uh, I think no matter what, you've got to be able to have a vision. I think the coaches that you spoke about, uh, you know, were visionaries and and had a vision and an idea of, of where they're wanting to go. They were great at communicating what their vision was to. To, to the people around them, whether a staff or administration or, or the players, the, the recruits, their families. Uh, I think the names that you mentioned were great teachers, you know, uh, coaching at the end of the day were, you know, were teachers. And that I, I came from um, the school that I went to in college was is, is called Ball State University. And that's a uh, it's a teacher's college. And so the people that were older than me that were there in in this little town of Muncie, Indiana, 
uh, people that went to Ball State, most of them were teachers in their careers, their their uh, their eight to three jobs, I, I I guess we could say. So when I first got around the coaches, I saw it through a teaching lens, you know, uh, uh, building uh, progressions, um, uh, not coaching through your personality, but, uh, you, you know, actually working on the fundamentals. And uh, I think those names that you mentioned all, all, all kind of uh, fit into that. I think enthusiasm helps. You know, what we're doing is really, really hard. We're asking uh, our players and, and, and our staff to do very difficult things, put a lot of a lot of work and blood and sweat and, and hours into it. And, you know, if, if, if you're not doing it with enthusiasm, I'm not leading with enthusiasm. It's hard for people to follow. And then I, I think you've got to surround yourself with great people, right? I mean, it's a uh, people that uh, people that you want to be around on on a day to day basis, and that's that goes from your staff to the players. And so, uh, you know, we spend a ton of time with each other. We're on planes and and in the gym and on buses and hotels and and uh, the office. And you have to have people around you that you enjoy being with day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. I'm going to talk to you about the staff choices you've made uh, later on, but I want to pick up on this idea of you never played the game. In fact, it's quite it comes across in, in your other interviews, but I wanted to, to sort of look at it from a different angle because I know that you helped out in camps when you were in your early teens, but you really started coaching at 19. And I'm just wondering, given that you didn't have a deep background playing, was there a, a person or an event that ignited this passion in you to coach? I went away my freshman year in college to to school. Went back home after a year to to go to the local university, and uh, I was a runner in high school. Came back and I was coaching our junior high cross country team, and then uh, got to talking with somebody who was coaching. Uh, the junior varsity volleyball team that we graduated with. And um, she asked, uh, you know, we, I offered my help. I went in there and uh, immediately, you know, I was an individual sport athlete and, you know, I running is, can be lonely, even though that you're on part of a team, it's still a very much an individual sport. The team dynamics, the systems of volleyball, and then people that you could just tell were really, really good. And the teams were really good that I was watching and observing. Uh, There was so much depth to, you know, the team sport dynamic, coaching, you know, females as a a young guy and, and, uh, you know, uh, the techniques and, and, uh, the systems of play were every single corner that I looked around was something that was so foreign and so new that it just uh, it, it was a pursuit of so much. It, it's uh, and uh, and I just you know you're it was it was overflowing you know of of, of things and so I just I loved just. Every time I thought I, there was so much more that I'd had no idea than the things that I did know. And that was intoxicating 
uh, for me, just that learning process. Well, you go off on this learning journey and you work your way through various roles and you end up getting your first head coaching job at the University of Albany in, in 2001. But that year, Kelly, the team ended the season four and 20. It wasn't a great season, but by the time you left in 2007, they of course won three regular seasons uh, and three uh, tournament championships. So it was a, it was a really successful period for you. And I'm, I'm keen to understand what were the first things you did or some of the early things you did that really set the foundation and drove that result? Yeah, he- heading into that, so I, I'd spent about seven years coaching uh, between ages 13 and 16-year-olds. I did about seven years of that, and then uh, was that assistant coach for uh, for four years at three different universities uh, around some really, really good coaches before, like you said, I got uh, my first head coaching job Uh our first match was uh was two was uh uh in August and then a couple weeks later 9/11 happened and so that kind of throws a wrench into <laughs> into things as well but you know the the program that 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 I walked into um I, I'm not sure it was a job that too many people wanted uh it's it was a a job that was just making the transition from division two to division one, very little support. We had five and a half scholarships. Just about everybody else in our conference had 12. Uh, I had no assistant coaches when we started. And so you're, which is very much similar to what you're doing as a club coach. You're, you're doing everything yourself as a club coach uh, uh, or a high school coach. You're, you are uh you're teaching and training every single position you are you know you're not you're inputting balls you're you know fundraising you're you know if you've got a lift program you're probably doing it yourself i mean just everything is and that was kind of what year 1 was at at the university of albany was it was uh it was everything and uh you know, we had to get some some better talent. There was no doubt about that. And um, you know, we got in there and we worked hard. And and quite frankly, most of the most of the players decided they wanted no part of that. I think we had seventeen players uh, on the roster that first season, and we were down to three. Fourteen of them quit after the end of the season. Uh, none of them left the school. They all stayed there, which tells you how important volleyball was to them. They didn't go somewhere else to play, but. But we were able to bring some uh, some uh, some people in that were kind of saw things the same way that I did. Uh, we got a little bit of success. We went from four and twenty to sixteen and fifteen in year two, and and uh, the administration started supporting us a little bit, which allowed us to get some momentum. And uh, we started getting a few more scholarships over time. We were able to add a, uh, an assistant and then a second assistant, so you're getting more help around. Uh, there became a little bit of trust with the strength coaches, so they were eventually able to to handle that. Um, you know, the athletic department was growing, so you know, at nights I, I was, uh, uh, you, you know, if the study hours were being done in my office uh, the first couple of years. That you know, eventually you start getting some academic people in the athletic department that were able to oversee that, and so that takes a little bit off your plate. But it was it was everything. It was. It was everything. Our first match, uh, home match, we played in front of 13 fans, you know, and 
And uh, our last last match there in the NCAA tournament was in front of 1,300 fans. And so it was, you know, trying to get the um, the media, the local media to support and just it was it was everything. And uh, but it was it was awesome. You know, when you're starting to, you know, people you you start that first year. Uh, the players knew that there wasn't a lot of respect for that program uh, around the area and within the athletic department. And a few years later, what, four years later, they win the the first conference tournament, and they're the first team in the school history to ever go to the NCAA tournament. So there's just so much pride, and you're watching the players just walk around and the day that they got their their rings and being able to show that off to the other athletes and the other sports and uh it changed you you saw the you saw their grades going up, you know their team gPAs were going up, and I think a lot of that was just you know the the responsibility that they felt, the pride that they felt, and uh the confidence that just kind of came along with it it was it was a great time there. And Kelly, I read that when you, you're at Wisconsin now, when you went there, you took a lot of the staff from those times with you. Was that an easy decision? So, um, yes and no. Uh, we, so I was at, uh, I was at Dayton and, uh, one of my assistants stayed there at Dayton and took over the program. I had another assistant. Her first job, college job, was was with me at Dayton. She was fresh out of college, and uh, uh, and a bit, but it, she'd been there with me for four years. Uh, Brittany Dildine, and uh, you could just see her growth during that time. She was turning into. It was very obvious she was going to be a great coach. She was just, you know, really young, probably twenty two or twenty three when she first got there at Dayton, maybe even younger than that. And um, uh, then looked around for another assistant and realized my volunteer back at at, uh, at Dayton, Gary White, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a hidden gem there. He was our volunteer for two years, but prior to that, he was an engineer. Uh, both their first college jobs, both uh, were, were with me at Dayton. And we brought both of them there. We brought our director of operations, Jess Williams, with us. And it was one of the things that I think there's a uh, they all share is there's a curiosity. There was a work ethic. None of us had anything better to do early on. I mean, it was, it, you know, it's uh, it was it, our joy. Our passion was 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 working and uh uh, and trying to be better at this, and so when you're trying to turn programs around, that certainly certainly helps. And uh, I, I think everybody, it's at at their heart is servant leaders. You know, it's not about them. And so I think we're going on year eleven, and every one of them are still here, and uh, all of them came with me from Dayton. We, it's, we enjoy being around each other. Uh, we have a great deal of fun with each other. We very, very curious, very hungry and driven to learn more. 
and um, and the roles have ex- uh, have changed and expanded uh, where where growth can continue to happen. So it's uh, it, it's it is a huge deal when you've got people that that you care about and that you're able to grow with them, and and um, it certainly makes things way easier on me now than that you have people that just they know what to do day to day and month to month. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it's uh, it's been a fantastic run. Ten years of Sweet Sixteens. Yeah. And, of course, some championships along the way. But it's interesting. I wanted to ask you what the run you've had at Wisconsin has taught you about getting teams orientated forward but not moving forward with this sense of you know entitlement not expecting it but having the humility to drive for it every season mm-hmm. um <clears throat> the teams the businesses the programs that i respect the most are the ones that have consistency over time right it's a uh um you know the you can name name brands whether it's athletic teams or or businesses and the ones that you're going to name are the ones that have been around for a while and so i never wanted to be one of those programs probably one of the things that is just you know anytime that we you know you, you win your first conference championship and it just it's immediately this cannot be the only time that this happens you know and it's get we you know and and maybe that, that's, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have that that trait. I would probably say mine is just, uh, you know, going back to a club coach and people are paying for uh, to to, uh, to play. And they've got all these coaches in these big clubs. And here's this guy that never played the game. I never wanted the families. I never wanted the players to sit there and say, my God, we're paying for this, and this guy has no idea what he's what he's doing. And I never wanted them to feel that way. And so it was just this: um, you learn something, keep learning, keep learning, and and you accomplish something, just keep going, keep going. And uh, um, you know, I think uh, you know when when you talk to somebody that is a uh, um. You know, I would I would guess this somebody that goes out and climbs mountain. You know, right? you know, right after they climb a mountain, they're they're probably sitting there thinking, all right, what mountain are we going to climb next? 
I know we we took our team to Europe this uh, a few weeks ago, and for two weeks we've got our team and we're traveling around Europe, playing some teams, seeing the sights and things, and and we get about halfway in, and I'm talking to our tour guide about what we're what we're going to do four years from now, you know, which uh, is probably part sickness. But, you know, why can't you just enjoy what you're doing right now? Why do you got to worry about where you're going to take them next? Um, but it's a, uh, uh, find, figuring out what, what is next and, and lining yourself up for what is next. Uh, I think that prevents you from just being satisfied. It's, uh, uh the, to me, the pursuit is, uh, the pursuit is where the fun is, where the joy is, and let's let's try to find bigger and gnarlier things to pursue. And you've got to communicate with everybody. You've got to communicate with your staff. You've got to communicate with your team what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And and that's really really big. If you're if you're not a great communicator and you're just assuming that everybody knows what it is that you're trying to do, uh, I think that's where you get issues. Haley, I have this interesting quote from one of your your players, Danielle Hart. She says, in Kelly's mind, to be anything but honest is to not care enough about that person and their improvement. And it it just uh, jumped out at me as I was uh, preparing for the interview, and it, and it made me wonder, can you ever be too honest? I think before I'm giving advice to, uh, to players or other coaches or something, I think the thing that I'm asking them is, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to get to? And uh, I think you have to understand what it is that they're wanting before you start giving them advice uh, a, a little bit. I think uh, it's, and then you have to be honest with them, right? If you're trying, if a player is trying to be a, a national player of the year and they're not on that path to get there, then you, then yeah, it's, it's, it's all hands on deck, if you will, to, to, to let them know where, where they're falling short on that. And anything less than that is, says that, you, that you don't care about them, right? If, uh, uh, I, I, I want to take a step back. I think, I, I think players spend too much time wondering what mood is my coach in? And uh, I think a lot of them go to practice almost every day or every meeting or what did I do wrong? You call a meeting. What did I do wrong? And and I I think uh, I think that gets in the way uh, in in what we're trying to do and the relationships that we're trying to build. So I think there I want there to be a consistency uh, with how I approach things. Uh, on a daily basis, the expectations don't drop. The expectations are 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 what they are, and we're going to hold you to that. Uh, but there needs to be a consistency with how I approach uh, it, every meeting, every practice. Uh, I think trust is critical. You know, trust the players trust that I'm I uh, I care about them, uh, that I care deeply about them, that I care about them more uh, as a human than I do as a volleyball player, what they can bring, uh, you know, in the win columns. Uh, and to to get that trust, there's got to be some vulnerability. You're asking your players to be vulnerable. They have to see that we're vulnerable, that we're willing to learn. Uh, and I think uh, 
uh, and but if you're asking if there's going to be trust, there's there's got to be honesty uh, every step of the way. They can't ever question that. You can't question that that what I am saying is for my own good than it is for their own good. They can't question it. Kelly, you say great teams and great athletes have an optimism about themselves, even when things get really hard. We all love optimism, but I'm wondering, how do you avoid this spilling over so that it becomes cheerleading and you perhaps lose touch with the reality of the team situation? Yeah. I think it comes down to belief, you know, but I think, you know, when you're uh, building blocks of it, I do think there's an optimism for, for what you're doing. I I know our first year uh, when we got here at Wisconsin, uh, some of our players went to a uh, – went to a, a USA tryout and one of our assistants was with them and came back and said, you know, I, I really like him, but almost everything out of their mouth is negative, whether it's the weather, whether it's what somebody's wearing, whether it's what's going on in the gym or how their body feels or something. It's just this continuous loop. And uh, <clears throat> we got back in the practice gym. It was, it was spring. And I, I said, Hey, uh, it was at the end of one practice, and I said, you know, we'll be back here tomorrow. We've got 22 hours. And I said, gave everybody a rubber band. And I had them put it around their wrist, and I said, I know this This is going to be corny. I said, I get it. I understand it. Just hang with me. But for the next 22 hours, I want you to to try not to say anything negative at all. And if you do, I want there to be a little reminder that you're just snapping the rubber band. And uh Begged them to just play this along with me for 22 hours. We get back in in the gym the next day, and I said how to go. And I don't know. I had a player that said I'm a pretty positive person. I I didn't. It was nothing for me. Uh, I had a couple others that said, "Man, I found myself snapping myself a lot." Uh, a couple others that said, "I I didn't know what to say." It was it really really hit me. Because I don't want to be that type of person. And I realize I don't know what to <laughs> talk about. <laughs> um, somebody else was telling a story that they were on Twitter. And uh, they said something about the the weather. And one of their teammates responded back, hashtag snap yourself. And uh, so we, we just talked about, you know, if we're going to go about things, if we're going to learning and, uh, and try to do things where we're passionate about coming to the gym, you know, going in the locker room, that we really need to be aware of our communication style with those around us. We've got to at least be aware of it and uh, and try to have some optimism. Uh, a couple of weeks later, we're in the gym, and I noticed a couple, a couple people still wearing the rubber bands. And I brought the team in. I said, what, you know, what are you still wearing? I'm, well, we like the message that this tells. You know, it's just a reminder probably had a half dozen in there and said, well, I was still wearing mine until it broke. I was using it too much. <laughs> and I said, well, that's, you know, that's a problem, isn't it? And so we got a more permanent ones, you know, back then, you know, everybody's got them now I've says something, but back then it was just, it was a Lance Armstrong live strong was about the, you know, what you'd see. So we had made of that and it was just kind of a reminder, you know, we, uh, how we want to kind of go about uh, the season you know, uh, optimism, I, I would say it's more belief. It's not cheerleading. Sometimes it can be cheerleading, but it's but it's belief. 
I want our players to have what we call a bring it mentality that no matter uh, if, uh, you know, if you're down, if you're down in a match, if, uh, if you've got a tough grade in a class, you know, it's uh, this, your strength coach is asking you to do, do things that you don't think you're capable of doing. Just when your back is against the wall, have this mentality that says, bring it, you know, let's, uh, let's go set the world on fire. You know, and that's, uh, well, I remember as a kid going out to the um, to the driveway with with their basketball hoop and just you know you're counting down five four three two one and then trying to get a shot up and and uh, if you make it then you, the next one you're going to make it more difficult or you're practicing at the free throw line and you said hey there's no time left and you're down by one you hit one you tie you hit and you hit two you win and playing those little games and just how how much fun that was. And I think sometimes when we get older, we that becomes stress and and worry and panic and and shying away from those moments. And one of the things we try to we're trying to set up with our culture is to lean in in those moments and find the joy in those moments. And yes, I think there's optimism behind it and i think there's belief and every once in a while there may be some cheerleading but i don't think that's the biggest part of it Haley, i've watched some footage of you during the games and i what struck me was your smile and i know that we were talking off air and you said that that was the first time you'd heard it but it was a very it was the moment people came off the court so people subbed out and you seemed to consciously be smiling at them. Well, at least that's mm-hmm. the way it appeared in the footage. And I wanted to ask you, is is that a conscious act? Is it part of your your routine when people rotate, when they when they're potentially at a low point or a high point when they're coming off or going on? I would say it's probably rare that I'm smiling during matches, probably what some other people would probably say. I mean, there's every once in a while there might be that. It's a uh, uh, I'm sure every once in a while there is some enthusiasm for what we're doing. And I would say probably every once in a while, you know, there's probably frustration that probably crosses my face at times. But I try to be very, very cognizant of of what it is that's, um, that I am uh, my body language. Uh, that's a, uh, you know, what message that I'm. Uh, getting across, I realize that it's our team and our staff, our fans, uh, people in the building, um, maybe even our opponents. I, that there's a, and uh, uh, I, I try to be aware of that. Uh, there might be some times I'm trying to let some tension out uh, of, you know, especially if a player is trying to do something in a really, really big moment and just misses. Just, just misses. It was the right thought process. It was what you would want this person to do in this, and it just didn't happen. That moment is a really critical moment, especially a young player. You know, I think about us being in a in a national championship match and Yulia Orzel going for a high hand shot, just looking for the hands and just missing this, just barely missing the hands and just going long. And calling a timeout. Well, 
she was a freshman and then, you know, she was a freshman from Poland. So she, you know, her and I didn't have a long history and here we are playing in front of, you know, 18,000 fans in a really big moment. And not only does she miss, but I end up calling a timeout right after that. And there has to be, uh, you know, I think right there, the the human nature thing for her is this is to just bang her head up against the wall and just be frustrated and, and think that she's at fault. And I shouldn't even try that. And I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing something safer. You don't want your players in that moment in that time. And so there, there might be an opportunity right there to try to let just a little bit of attention uh, out of the room. And, um, and so that might be an opportunity to to try to do that to you know, uh, uh, you know, let her know life is is okay, and let's let's reorganize and get right back at it. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about that. Kelly, I know you have two daughters, um, and I know that family is important to you. And I, you know, one of the things I've noticed through interviewing coaches is that they can become quite obsessed. Um, and I think it can be an unhealthy level of obsession that can take over. And I wanted to ask, how do you work with this to make sure that you do maintain a healthy, a healthy balance in your life? Hmm. Uh, it's probably not balanced. I, I, I'm not sure that it's really any successful coach or, you know, CEO or whatever probably has what we call balance. The, the key has got to be healthy, right? It's a, uh, um, you know, it's if it was just about volleyball, it would be boring. You know, it's it's got to be more than that. The part that really we're we're learning life lessons through sport. Uh, we're helping people at a really critical time. You know. Uh, grow and mature and get on their own and trying to accomplish big gnarly things to, together. And it's just, uh, there's so many things to learn. It's, uh, you know, conflict management, how to communicate with people that are different from you. And uh, we spend a ton of time in in that space and, you know, and helping prepare them, whether it's a pro career, whether they're going to go get a job afterwards, how to deal with with setbacks and frustrations and injuries and, and deaths in the family. And, and, you know, and you're with them for decades down the road in, in, in some cases. And so it's a, our families get to be a part of that if we choose to have them a part of that. And in our family, we don't have our family and volleyball separate. It's, it's together. Uh, our, our team is over at our house quite a bit. Uh, our staff is over at our house quite a bit. Uh, our players, uh, my my daughters get to know the players very well. They, you know, they've they they babysat them. They've been to their little gymnastics things when they were three. They'd go to their swim meets when they're ten. You know, it's um, and they get to see um their idols grow and we get to go back and we talk about the lessons of what we care about being a great teammate. And we get to talk about working hard of not quitting of responding to when things happen that are 
that are favorable to you and unfavorable to you. Uh, there is just there are so many lessons that we're able to teach them that uh, uh, I, I think it's a uh, I think it's a healthy place uh, that uh, most of the time we're in. Kelly, I've heard you talk about the fact that early in your coaching career, you quote coached through what my goals were rather than trying to understand what their goals were. Mm-hmm. How did you change? Was there a process you went through? What what drove the change in you? Mm. Knowledge, probably maturity, certainly. You know, it's a. Uh, the, I I would probably say I, uh, you know that you're. I had a lot of success around me in the sport of volleyball, even when I wasn't necessarily part of that success. And so, you know, our teams and and not knowing quite how to help our team, not knowing how to help a player, uh, wanting to compete. And, uh, and so there probably be some times that I was, you know, it was, uh, emotion got into it more than probably what it should be. You know, if it's a, uh, you know, go harder, pursue harder, go and get that, you know. And so there was probably early on way more times of raising my voice to try to get them to do what I was wanting that I didn't know how to communicate properly. Um, maybe also a touch of old watching some other types of coaches on TV of how they came across with people that were much older and thinking maybe that's how I needed to be to to be uh, an elite coach, while also knowing deep down that I've got to teach, and that inner conflict and frustration as I was just just trying to learn as fast as I could to to be good for my players, and uh, and so I'd be coaching through emotion a lot, uh, way more than what I should have to to get them to to. <laughs> hopefully to go where I was wanting them to go and where they're wanting to go. I was just doing it the uh, the wrong way. Um, yeah, you know, it's where everybody's learning as, as, as they're going. And, and fortunately, uh, I had a lot of people that were able to help and, and quite a few people that were able to set me down at different times and, and say, hey, they cared enough to to say let me let me help you out with this because you this may not be the path that you want to be on <laughs> this one final question then kelly if i can and i'll preface it with a with another great quote i have from you you say i want to help our players max out their talent max out their potential it's really about them mm-hmm. how do we help them get to their dreams their goals so i guess the question is in the distant future how do you hope the people that you have helped describe your legacy? Um, I don't care how how they describe my legacy. I I, I care less of, about that. I would hope that they that they look back. I hope that that uh, while they're playing that they are having a really good experience 
that they know it's really hard. And sometimes we're asking them to do things that uh, that maybe they don't think they're capable of doing. That, uh, um, that they're on this path and they understand the, the, the bigger picture that it's that uh, there's way more good days and bad days. They're, they're enjoying that process. Um, uh, and then I hope when it's down the road that they're looking back and thought I was, I was doing it for the right reasons, you know, along the way. I, I, I don't ever want players that feel like they're being manipulated in the moment. I don't want them to look back at their career and feel like they were a pawn and, and whatever it is that I was pursuing. And it, it, it has to be about what their dreams and their goals. Now, certainly we're going to, in the recruiting process, uh, let people, this is, this is what we're in pursuit of. And, uh, um, but it's a lot, it's way more discussed about what is it that we're going to do day to day. And, and they have a saying uh, with this. I mean, they have a say with how we're, uh, what is in our championship manual and uh, what it is that our standards are going to be. And they have a big say into that. But once they, once they say here, this is what it is that we're going to try to do, and this is how we're going to go about it, and we're all in agreement, then they can't go outside of that. It's just we're just all on this path of being able to do this, and um, uh, and I think that op- that brings a lot of people together. Uh, we talked about trust uh, early on, and hopefully, when they look back. They, uh, there's still that strong belief that we are doing the, the right stuff for the right reasons. We care for each other, and there's a whole lot of lessons, lessons learned. Um, uh, it's that, and and we help these young people grow. Uh, that's there's a lot of joy in that. There's a lot of we had a, an alum that came back uh, the other day, and uh, she's been out of for a while and brought her family, and there's just so much joy and pride. Her, from her of what she did and what she uh, what she went through and sharing that with with her family and her spouse and um, you want to see that joy while they're playing and you certainly want to see that joy from them years later when they're when they're bringing their people back Kelly thank you so much for your time today it's been great hearing a little bit more about your story and uh, learning more about what you're doing at Wisconsin uh, and I wish you all the best season ahead. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Hi everyone, you have been listening to the great coach Kelly Sheffield. I hope you got a lot out of Kelly's down-to-earth style and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. When I listened back to Kelly, the other key highlights for me were his view that the pursuit of, quote, finding bigger and gnarlier things to pursue is where the joy is, end quote. How the great coaches have a curiosity that drives their willingness to learn and fuels the vision that they have. And wanting to leave a legacy where people have had a good experience with him and had more good days than bad. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. The interaction with the people around the world who listen gives us great energy and keeps us going. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.